this is like a perfectly timed call. We couldn't have tried to time it better for today. <laughs> well, welcome to the channel, Nick. Uh, yeah, thanks very much, Jennifer. <laughs> uh, I love that you, I love that we got you on today because we had the CPI report. I was texting Vicky in the middle of the night here. It was early morning for you guys. Seeing yeah, markets yeah. open totally. <laughs> But, you know, they they might have, I mean, what it, we're seeing some kind of little recovery, at least with XRP. I mean, it hasn't dumped completely yet. Yeah. Have yeah. you been watching your charts? Yeah. So, as I said to you on the messages, we've had a snap back and tested some of the 200-day um, uh, moving average, a bit of a back test there. But we're staying over on the daily, which is quite good. Um, it's looking pretty positive. Um, and there's some chatter on the Twitter sphere. Uh, that this could be or is showing signs similarly to that of 2017 before a market bull run. So fingers crossed, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Bitcoin got a hammering as expected, but yeah, XRP has recovered really well actually on the whole. And this is very relevant, uh, again, even more so contributing to our topical conversation of today with Nick, because um, as we've been talking about Nick over, I don't know, over a year now <laughs> on this channel, uh, the importance of kind of, uh, you know, preserving what nominal wealth or nominal assets we have, savings, pensions, any kind of uh, money in the bank, in other words, um, using metals, and then and then for people that are into it, uh, digital assets and digital assets like XRP. So if we have a bull run, then those you know, that really want to de-risk their nominal investment into digital assets can then preserve them into metals. Um, mm. And this umbrella, I don't know if you guys can hear it. Um, anyway, I, I hope that's not too loud, but that's uh, today's conversation focuses on uh, gold and silver, the precious metals market, um, you know, in particular watching, you know, the government try to, throw this can down as long as they can to bleed out this uh, current system. But at some at some point, as we've continued to discuss, uh, this system will collapse. And I guess, you know, there's lots of people speaking about gold and silver. Someone made a comment like, sure, have a guy that sells gold and silver on the channel to talk about it. But listen, <laughs> you guys, it'll be, you. It, it's surprising how many people um, have been in their industry for many years and just know a lot about, you know, one thing. What I found refreshing when I was speaking to Nick was that he understood kind of, you know, the role of CBDCs, the potential war we might have with the CBDCs, this kind of, you know, vision of digital money, the threat of that, but then how, how digital, you know, currency or digital assets um, you know, can also be part of this new gold standard and obviously the importance of holding physical metals uh, and whether you won't choose to hold them at home in a safe or have them vaulted with your own allocated box. Um, you know, the pure gold company offers both. And, you know, after speaking to Nick, you guys, like I said in my thread, it just... Um, you know, as I was talking to him, I thought, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. I'd love to have you come uh, talk to me. Can we have this conversation uh, on my channel? So welcome, Nick. And this is kind of why we brought you on today. 
Thank you very much for the introduction, Jennifer. And um, I'm grateful for the invite so soon uh, after we uh, we first spoke. So, yeah, hopefully I can give your, your audience um, some colour uh, as to what we're seeing in the gold market, why people are doing it, what they're doing and uh, yeah, what the ramifications of all this uh, are going to be. So, for example, today, this morning, I mean, tell everyone the first thing I asked you, I'm like, so are the rumors true? Are you really running out of stock? Um, well, yeah, yeah we, we were down at one point earlier in the week. Um, very late last week, down to our last five million quids worth, because we have seen exceptional demand, um, given what's going on in the banking system primarily. Now, I'm not going to sit here and preach to your, your audience and say, look, buy gold to become a millionaire overnight or get rich quick. At the moment, it's just purely about, well, safety, um, security and wealth preservation, protecting what you're lucky enough to have um, and keeping ahead of inflation. But Mainly just getting your money out the bank, because as you, you probably well seen off this Credit Suisse debacle, um, we've had seven UK banks and building societies that have been added to a UK government watch list. And this is the very same watch list that um, Northern Rock began its life off on in 2007, I believe, 2008. So it's looking likely that these banks have breached their capital adequacy ratios. Um, they don't have enough money on their balance sheets to cover the amount of savers and depositors that they've actually got. Um, and that's why um, they've all been changing the terms and conditions of your current accounts and your ISAs to accommodate for this. And over the last two weeks, three weeks even with some banks, everybody's been sent out new T's and C's and buried right at the bottom of those um, is a little clause. Um, that talks about an emergency charge. So if should they get into financial difficulty, they can charge your account to an undisclosed sum. Um, basically, they'll steal it off you and convert it into equity in a, a rapidly deteriorating bank. So I think there's so much naivety at the market. Well, at the moment, people with bank accounts, they think, look, I'm safe for £85,000. Well, you're not. You're not even safe for that anymore because they've changed their T's and C's. All you are is a priority creditor on the bank's balance sheet. Um, nothing more, nothing less. And that 85 grand is there to inspire confidence in the market to make sure that everybody doesn't take their cash out of the bank at the same time. I was reading an interesting um, statistic about a few weeks ago now. Um, if less than 1% of the UK population we're now to take their money out in hard cash from the banks. The whole house of cards will come collapsing down because they don't have the liquidity. Um, so this is one of the I mean, this is what every one of my clients has been talking about over the last fortnight. And, and this is why people are heading for gold, because it gives them that autonomy and flexibility to get out the system. Because, um, well, there's a, there's there's a currency crisis, there's a bond bond crisis. Um, well, I mean, look, the, the mini budget that was handed out by, by Quarteng even two weeks ago has shown us that a lot sooner than, than most of us even realised, to be honest. And how do you see tomorrow's potential? I mean, with the Bank of England, you know, and buying more bonds, how do you see that playing out? Well, look, it's the straw that's broken the camel's back. Um, they, they basically they, they had to come to the rescue. They said they weren't going to pivot. Um, of course, they did. There was no way they could get out of this situation. And I mean, 
Kwasi, Bank of England governor, they've both been flip-flopping the whole time. And now it's looking likely that they're going to have to carry on buying bonds. Um, so they just can't stop. They've basically crossed the Rubicon. They have to carry on QE. There's no way of getting out of it. And of course, that will cause inflation to go even higher, um, debase the currency even more and, and exacerbate the problem even further. So they're damned if they do, really. They're damned if they don't. So basically in the UK now, we're, look, we're facing a doom loop where they have to issue more debt to fund debt. So they've got to carry on almost buying their own debt to fund the debt. It's crazy. It's, uh, it's going to cause interest rates then to increase further. Um, and as I suppose Ernest Hemingway said, it's kind of slowly, 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 and then all at once, and then the whole market comes collapsing down. Those bonds are worthless. The currency is toast. Um, and it's looking likely that we're going to face a, a huge, huge currency crisis, even in the next 18 months, which ine inevitably is going to go to the US as well. It's going to spread. And as, as every government enters this kind of uh, print or die environment, um, it, it's going to make matters even worse. It's a race to the bottom then. Um, I, I think it's going to make 2008 look like a walk in the park because it's not just a, a property bubble it's an everything bubble it's a sovereign debt bubble um, and, and people are realizing now that you need hard assets rather than something that can just be printed out of, out of thin air absolutely um and i mean i love that you when we when we sorry it's been a long day jennifer i'm ad-libbing this a bit <laughs> Well, I, I think it's I think it's great, and I appreciate so much. Where you know, when when you when we spoke, that it was like, yes, you got it. You knew exactly. You know, we were on the same page. And so, I guess the question is, you know, people go, well, why why buy gold and silver? Um, you know, because this idea that you, this is preserving your wealth. You know, they the idea you know everybody's so quick of making money or seeing mm -hmm. you know that their investment increase and then you have this spot price that is decreasing so a lot yeah, of people yeah. you know will call these boomer rocks <laughs> i've heard that recently <laughs> and uh and i you know i i get the term i totally get it with my millennial hat you know total you know i can see why kids you know but this is why why on this channel especially we talk about real money versus currency but do you want to give us your two cents on that? Of course. Well, the biggest mistake we could ever do is come off a gold standard, um, because then with that fiat proliferation, it encourages governments just to spend recklessly, um, whether it's on insane wars that we don't need or social programs whereby they just increase benefits and it's it to everybody. And it, <laughs> there's no free lunch. A currency has to be backed by something physical. And this whole kind of Keynesian mindset of, oh, well, there's just a magic money tree and we can carry on printing and printing to infinitum. Well, if you had a million Mona Lisas, the value of a Mona Lisa would be worth about 10 quid. You just can't do it. Uh, and look, the best, I mean, every sovereign nation in history that's been on a gold standard has had their most prosperous time um, until, of course, they come off it. They go on to a fiat standard and usually within 100 years to 104 years on average. They totally collapse. It happens every single time. Happened with the Spanish Empire, the Dutch Empire, the British Empire, now with the American Empire. Um, and of course, I can imagine the world is going to be going back 
on some form of globe um, of gold reserve currency. Now, I don't know whether that's going to be something set up by the IMF or whether individual states will come up with their own central bank digital currencies and back that with gold. I think that's going to be the most likely option. Um, the Chinese have already developed theirs. They've already implemented it in, in certain areas. The Russians are doing the same thing. Uh, you've got places like um, Barbados, um, even Sweden, the Reichsbank. It's the oldest bank in the world. They've been developing one for the last four years. So every country is doing this. At the same time, they realize the value of gold. You look at all the countries that are developing these CBDCs, they're hoarding gold at a rate of knots we've not seen since the 1970s. It, it's thought now, if you look at the, uh, the Shanghai Gold Exchange, they, the Chinese have probably got 30,000 tons, yet they're telling the world they've only got three. Um, India, Russia, Japan, a lot of small um, well, Eastern and Western European nations are doing the same thing. So there really does seem to be a race for it. But all this, at, the, at the same time, the market's massively manipulated. They're betting the price of gold down um, because well, you look at the LBMA or the COMEX, there's a hundred paper contracts for every ounce of gold that they own. So all these banks, the bullion banks, are quite happily sitting there driving the price down of gold when it should be going up in an inflationary environment. But they're driving it down, driving it down, driving it down, filling their boots with the physical. And when they finally got enough, they've designed their new kind of Bretton Woods um, system. They'll let the price fly um, and then they'll revalue it. It's exactly what we saw in, uh, when, they came, when they did it last time. So I think it's pretty clear um, what they're up to. I just don't know um, kind of what incarnation that CBDC is going to take. Um, but I know it's certainly not something uh, I want to be part of. Yeah, and on that note, Nick, let's talk about what we were saying yesterday because I did a thread, like a mini thread. Um, one of the it, part of the main Jennifer R. Curie channel has a digital assets group, um, and we'll talk. We'll share our silver and our gold, and our, you know, talk digital assets, etc. And I did a yeah, mini yeah. thread about my concern about CBDCs because mm. while I sent you that podcast we did with my husband and we yeah. are building on this, you know, we, we know how it works inside out. We understand you cannot turn off this XRPL and it can run through satellites and radio wave. I mean, there's just a million ways to build this tech. So, you know, automatically using digital currencies, you know, on, on blockchain is not evil. But you, you and many of us, you know, are very concerned about the issues mm. of these CVDCs because of how we've seen and, and we've all been so, you know, awakened to it, you know, especially the last few years to how, you know, they will just try their, they will, they will issue out something. And how do we know, you know, this you know, does what it says on the tin. In other words, mm -hmm. they might pretend to roll out a fake gold backed digital currency, right? Mm -hmm. Another form of disguised programmable money. I mean, mm -hmm. it, when you try to break down the current, you know, fiat Ponzi scheme we're in, 
some people just don't get it. They don't, they think it's, you know, they, well, it's money, it's money. And I'm like, yeah, but think of what money is. Law well, exactly. Government exactly. Decree. I mean, exactly. look at the 6,000 years of history that has said silver and gold, but you know, the average young person is not, and then, you know, of course they want metaverse and augmented yeah. reality and all this like cool <laughs> stuff. And look, I, you know, I'm on the pulse of a lot of that. I mean, Vicky and I, there's a lot of, there's a few projects we've gotten involved in Shiba NFT, um, you know, and obviously we're building our little credit union on the XRPL, you know, because we're looking at financial solutions out of this system, understanding the tech and seeing the kind of forest through the trees. But, but there is this kind of, you can't help but shake feeling that when this does collapse, are they really going to try it on with a CBDC, you know, backed by a fake uh, gold, you know, gold ounce or whatever, and, and just try to try it on as another layer of currency. And when mm -hmm. you said that we were talking yesterday, I just thought, Oh my gosh, this is perfect. And do you want to share your, your, what you said yesterday? Yeah, ab yeah absolutely. Like, like we were talking about, if something's free, you're the product. Nothing in life is ever free. So what they're going to do, and the cynic in me is, is suggesting this, and I think it's pretty obvious from, uh, I mean, they make it very obvious on their website, but what they're trying to do is in-debt everybody with so... I mean, they're leveraging them to the hilt with all this debt. Um, look at house prices in London, for example. I mean, they're going through the roof and people are taking out mortgages that they just cannot afford with free money. They, they, they think this is free. Interest rates are never going to go up. So in-debt everybody up to the eyeballs, whack up rates, crash the market make everybody go into negative equity so they then become slaves to the bank and then you've got the likes of BlackRock and Fidelity that will come swooping in buying up all those cheap assets you'll end up with this neo-feudalistic type state where nobody does own anything, they're just renting from the banks and then what they'll do they'll implement those CBDCs it'll be like the messiah that comes to the rescue and they'll say here we go, look you're in a terrible economic situation, have this CBDC, have this universal basic income whether it's I don't know three thousand five thousand dollars a month oh but on the condition that you just give up all your freedom all your anonymity um and we can track your data and your spending but then there'll be other caveats with that it'll be oh well you can only fly twice a year um your carbon uh security score oh sorry it's not very good you're driving too much right you can't fly at all you can only have one allocation of red meat uh, only one bottle of red wine every week i mean sky's the limit in terms of the dystopian control that they'll be able to, 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 to implement with this. It, it's terrifying. And people think, people think people can't even, the recency bias dictates that people, they can't even get their heads around it. And they'll, they'll label you a conspiracy theorist or what have you for even suggesting it. But it's as clear as night follows day what's going on. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Carney, Carney, the ex-head of the Bank of England, Rishi Sunak, they've been um, trying to develop a, a digital currency here and roll it out by 2025. And they've personally said to each other, um, this is going to be great for, for manipulating people and getting them to um, encourage in, in habits that we would deem um, uh, appropriate or acceptable whilst discouraging other habits. So it's going to bring a level of control that I, I really, it does worry me. It really does. And that's why I just want to get out the system while I can get a life raft. And if you've got something physical and tangible, completely out of that digital realm it's manual you can barter and do what you want with it and go completely uh, off piece
I completely agree. And, but, you know, <laughs> again, having, you know, building in this blockchain space, seeing how the parameters are coded and written in, I mean, I, I, I would not put it past them that when this collapses and we see a liquidity crisis, and as we've mentioned, what is a liquidity crisis when there's no buyers? You just have, like, you just a bunch of nothing. It's worth nothing, right? How do we yeah. so solve that liquidity? Oh, well, here, we've got this new, you know, let, let's unlock whether it's the XRP escrow or, you know, here's a bunch of interoperable blockchains set yeah. within yeah. our bank. Download our app. This is our programmable money. I mean, just like we've seen with PayPal, which I do believe was a big you know, wake up and whether people want to believe that that is a hurting and toward another app or a way to wake people up. I think just by default, it got people again to see same with Kanye West. I mean, this is, this is not this road we want to be going down. We don't want to be in a place where a financial institution passes on our millions of dollars because of political rhetoric, like what, you know, and then what, what does that mean for the other, um, clients who may think or say like him, you know, and, and Neil McCoy, you guys did a great video on this. Check him out. I know a lot of you guys listen to him, um, but he just did a great episode about the Kanye and the PayPal. Um, but then also looking at how they might try to issue a CBDC. And then, you know, since you're a bank customer, you automatically get free access. Maybe there's a bunch of bells and whistles and freebies and features that make you all excited about it. So naturally you jump on in and realize what was sold to you is not actually what is. I think there will be a retraction and people will be fighting back and, and will be more outspoken this time than ever. Um, you know, and ultimately I believe that we'll be able to build, you know, innovation through this and that this, again, goes back to the value of this, you know, what is used with uh, Ripple, Polysyncodius, I mean, all the stuff that's happening in the financial ISO space, the fintech space, um, you know, that interledger protocol will be able to exchange and settle payments backed by hard assets. And those assets can be tracked on blockchain. Um, but like I said to you, Nick, yesterday, as we go through this transition, at what point does, you know, all of this kick off? At what point do we see a fake gold dollar and then a real gold dollar? I mean, like, how do we verify and build back trust once it's completely gone? So there will be a transition point. Um, yeah. And this is yeah. why the importance of that physical metal outside the system is more important now than ever. Right. So you, you guys have heard me passionately speak about blockchain and, you know, what I love about XRP. But at the same time, I hold the majority of everything we've saved, the, the dollars we've earned in gold and silver, um, because that's the best way to preserve that. Now, then there's all the subcategories. And I, I just kind of want to quickly because we get a lot of them. Um, you know, people ask about bars versus coins. Uh, you know, what is uh, semi-numismatic versus numismatic? I mean, what are your take when you talk to your clients? I mean, how do you best advise someone just starting out in this space? Well, look, if you're a UK resident, every time go for bullion coins, not bullion bars. I wouldn't suggest looking at anything numismatic for the time being. Just stick with your standard bullion. Now, the reason people go for coins as opposed to bars is they're considered legal tender in the UK. And there's a caveat of British law, which means you cannot tax the flow of currency. So all the gains that you make from that are totally devoid of capital gains tax. Um, 
So they work in the same way as your ISA would, really, just without any of the restrictions as to how much you can put in. Now, because they're devoid of tax, it means there's no public register of them. So that means they're also totally private. They're out of the system. The government don't know you've got them. Now, with bullion bars, you're getting exactly the same amount of gold, but they, they don't fall under that exemption. So the government will take 20% of your profit once you come to sell them. So really not the best type of product for fighting against inflation. So for every UK buyer, I'd certainly suggest going for coins. However, for international buyers as well, and I'm sure some of your audience are from the States, uh, etc. But for international buyers, I'd also buy coins in London um, because when they come to sell them back, you're always going to be getting a much more competitive price for them at spot or above. And that's because they're selling them back to a much bigger audience of people. In this day and age, when something's tax free, people will bite your hand off for it. I mean, everything's taxed to the hilt. Um, but even if it's not relevant to them from a tax perspective, it is relevant to everybody else. So even if they coins or bars, it doesn't matter. But you'll get four percent less for a bar than you would for a coin. So a coin's got a lot more buoyancy because it's tax free and private. So I'd always suggest to, to your uh, followers, Jennifer, go for coins every single time, particularly if you're a UK resident. That's great advice. And when you're selling back, you find the coins are easier to sell because of that 4%. Absolutely. So look, as a company, we offer a buyback guarantee. Um, we're the only company that, that does it in, in its entirety in Europe. And we've never bought back below the spot price. So what you'll notice once you come to buy your gold and you go back to a dealer and try and sell it, I say, oh, thanks very much, but we're buying that back at 5% below spot. It's what the majority of them do. Um, when it comes to silver, they'll buy it back at 10% below, maybe 12%. I've seen it that bad in the past. So, yes, you'll be getting the spot price for bars, but with coins at the moment, the average buyback price is what about 3.2% above spot. Um, so you will always get a better buyback price for coins in the UK market. And that's, that's one of the main reasons as well why London's the physical gold capital of the world. Why is it? Purely for that tax. Okay. Exactly that. That's, that's, and the privacy, and the privacy as, well. as well. Yeah. And so when you, again, I mean, on this channel, I would hope we're buying for long term and everybody's using this as like their retirement but you know everybody's making their own financial decisions um mm. do you find that most people are turning their pensions or 401ks or lifelong savings into metals do you think they're taking you know 20 percent of their portfolio how are you seeing kind of people rush into this space yeah, 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 that's a good, yeah, question. That's a good question. So, so look, under, look, normal, under normal circumstances, circumstances the, old the old adage was, was put 10% of your portfolio into precious metals. That was it. Um, now we're living through economic case history where we're just about to see a sovereign debt crisis and a new reset of the system. I've got some clients calling me up and putting 50%, if not 80% of their money into precious metals because they can't keep it in cash. If you actually look at the real inflation rate in the UK at the moment, it's at 25%. The Bank of England even admitted that last month. So you've got, I don't know, 100 grand sat there in cash. In four years' time, it's going to be worth about a third as inflation starts to compound. So, yeah, they're certainly putting a lot more of their overall wealth in, into gold. That, that's for sure. It's no longer 10%. I'd say maybe 20, 30, if not 50%. And some people even go to the extreme of putting in 80 
I'd never suggest any put anyone put all their money into gold because, of course, you never know what they could do to the price of it in the short term. They could really smash it down if they wanted to. Um, but the genie will come out the bottle and people are doing this as a long-term store of wealth. I'd say the average length of time our customers are holding gold for is three to 10 years. Um, and of course, if you're lucky enough to hold it for the decade and ride out this inflationary storm, um, if the 1970s is anything to go by, which is the last time we saw this level of money printing and inflation, the gold price went up a thousand percent in the decade. And it was quite remarkable. Silver went up even more. But then again, people aren't doing this for the gains. It is about just, just the safety and security, nothing more. So, yeah, on that note about gold versus silver, um, how are you recommending to people, you know, I mean, because like we were saying yesterday, um, you know, we, we share Lynette Zhang quite a bit in this channel. Mm. Uh, and, you know, she talks about using silver as barterability and you know having and then you know in times of currency resets the value of holding gold but then also silver and then you have real big silver you know advocates that are saying you know the silver squeeze this could be what you know the contracts and tip over wall street and so this is going to outperform gold so start with more silver uh you can always trade it into gold what are your thoughts there Guys, look, she knows an awful lot about the industry. But from my experience, when it comes to silver, premiums are huge. You're paying a 25% premium minimum for silver coins in the UK. Less on bars, probably about 19 to 20%. And then on top of that, you've got to pay 20% VAT on silver as well. Because HMRC, where they're quite primitive with their categorization on it, they still consider it an industrial metal rather than an investment grade one. So because of that, not, you're taking a 20% hit immediately, losing 20% of your investment. Then you've got a 20% premium as well. And our average buybacks are about 13, 14% above. Everybody else will buy it back at spot. So if you were to buy it from us, take delivery of it, and then go and sell it back to your, your pawnbroker down the road, You'd be losing 40% on your investment. So, and whenever societies have collapsed in economic history, uh, look, Argentina, Venezuela, Weimar, Germany, I mean, the list goes, it just goes on and on and on. They've not resorted to silver. They've always resorted to gold, but very, very small denominations of it. Now, given where the price is per ounce right now, that's going to be very difficult. And you'd have to go from extremely small product like a, a quarter gold sovereign or a tenth ounce Britannia, if that was your aim. Um, but it, it's certainly worth considering going for a much smaller denomination rather than a great big gold bar or gold coin. Um, because, look, if the experts are correct, in the next five or six years, we see the gold price triple um, like it did in the aftermath of 08. You go buying yourself a coin for one and a half grand and it's then worth six. I mean, there's not much bartering you can do with that. Now, I'm not suggesting we're going to go into a barter type system uh, immediately, but would these these resets always do end up with a period um, of barter. They, I mean, how, whether that lasts a week or a month, who knows? But it is always good just to have a very small reserve of them. Um, when it comes to silver, I'm not sold on it um, for barterability. It's just too expensive. What I suggest well, I is... Sorry, Jennifer. I, apologies. I, were, would you suggest fractional gold then? 
Uh, yeah, the yeah, smallest denomination you can get, but then you're still looking at about 110, 115 pounds. But that, that's really is the smallest you can get. Now, if you want fractional gold, you can get one gram gold bars. Um, but again, they're very, very expensive because they're just so intricate to, to, to manufacture. Um, but going back to silver, what I suggest to clients in order to bring that cost right down, um, you can keep it in a bonded vault in Switzerland. So because it's outside of UK jurisdiction, you don't have to pay the VAT on it. Um, there's no capital gains tax to pay on it either. Um, and it's in the most safest jurisdiction in the world. So I suppose the only downside to it, though, is you've got to pay a storage charge. So it's horses for courses. Um, has silver got legs to it? Absolutely. It's been beaten to a pulp, particularly this month, even this week. It's down hugely. Um, if you look at the silver to gold ratio, it's it's the widest it's ever been since 1991. And that's not to say it can't go down further. Of course it can. But when it is this cheap, um, I mean, it does look like a bit of a steal, um, but not for delivery. I certainly wouldn't take silver for delivery unless you're doing it through a corporate structure. If any of your followers um, have got businesses, buy the silver through that and then reclaim the VAT and then you'll you'll be in a better position. That's a great idea for businesses, mm. uh, especially small businesses. Yeah, a lot of our clients are doing it now. Um, it's well over 50% of our corporate business is actually buying Buy silver, silver. Um, for, uh, delivery. for delivery. And what are they storing it in their own safes or with, in vaults with you guys? Yeah, they'll store it in their own safes. So you can keep it in London or Switzerland with us. But in order to cut down on the storage charge, they'll just take delivery. But Jennifer, you've got to imagine that 10 grand's worth of silver takes up the same size as an apple tray. It's huge. It's really heavy for what it is. Um, I had a farmer the other day buy almost a million quid's worth. and He buried it in his back garden and left a treasure map for his grandchildren. He's that bullish on silver. People go to some extreme lengths in terms of where they want to store it. But it's very bulky. It takes up a lot of room. Um, very, very heavy. This is one badass farmer. Yeah. <laughs> what? I love this guy. What a great idea. <laughs> Was this in the UK that he did this? Yeah, complete yeah, eccentric. eccentric. Yeah, he yeah, drew a treasure map for his grandkids. Didn't want didn't HMRC want getting after him for inheritance tax and uh, didn't even tell the lawyer about it. Just gave it to his son. And uh, who knows? I hope. Hopefully there's no metal detectorist on his land or anything like that. But um yeah, a lot of people are taking delivery now with big, big sums. Yes, silver is bulkier, so that is a great idea for everyone <laughs> listening at home. Treasure map it, old school style. <laughs> Bury it in the backyard. Wow. Um, well, hope he's got a decent security system. And on that note, I hope you guys do too. Um, all right. Well, I guess, Vicky, are you there? Do you have any questions? Um, I don't have any questions um, specifically at the moment. Uh, just um, like Nick was saying, with, with and you were saying about the fractional gold, I've got some of those like snappable multi bars. Um, I can't even remember who they buy now, but they're Balcombe. They yeah, that's the one. Balcombe. Yeah, got one of those. When you when you so when you talk to new people, newbies starting out, or people that have you know, I've got a hundred grand in the bank. How do I get rid of it? Are you then just saying stock up on gold? Sorry, say that again, Jennifer. 
is your primary reg, uh, recommendation when talking to people, you know, whether they're newbies or, you know, have a, you know, six figure lump sum in the bank, six or seven, you know, are you advising then just gold versus silver? And then at the moment, at the moment in, the in the short term, yeah, whenever you end up with a monetary crisis, particularly an inflationary melt up to the top, gold's always the outperformer in the short term. Every single time it's got the proven track record, it will give you that safety and security. Uh, silver, well, it's gold's volatile sister. Um, for every 1% increase you get in gold, silver will go up 3% and vice versa. So it's a lot more speculative. It gives you an, another string to your bow. But silver can sit there for four or five years and do absolutely nothing. And then all of a sudden it will tear off. The other thing to consider with silver is because it is an industrial metal, Obviously, on both sides of the pond now, they're trying to uh, push this green agenda, uh, net zero by 2030. Uh, Biden and Johnson took that to, to that with, with a flan. Now, if they do manage to succeed in this, and I think it's a total, it's a total farce, it's total rubbish. But if they do manage to, to carry on going down this path, solar panels, electric car batteries, catalytic converters, the only thing they can use to conduct that renewable electricity efficiently enough is silver. It's the only metal that will do it. So what some of the analysts at JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and look, take their opinion with a pinch of salt, what they're saying in the next six to seven years, there simply won't be enough silver left to sate that industrial demand, let alone the investment grade demand. So what I'm saying to clients at the moment, for the shorter term, four to five years, put it into gold. Of course, once you've done that and we're predicting the silver rally, because you've got to see the green shoots of recovery after an economic crash for silver to take off because of all the manufacturing and everything else. Um, once that happens, yeah, fine, lock in your, your, your profits with gold and there's nothing to stop you then flipping that into silver and then riding that second wave. So looking at the, the technicals and the charts behind it at the moment, and again, take those with a pinch of salt, but I'm certainly saying to clients, if you are going to go for a split, maybe go 80% gold, 20% silver. But at the moment, I'd certainly suggest if this is a first time for you, put it all into gold. And then once you're, you're familiar with the process, you understand how everything works. You can always look to do a little bit of silver later. And when people ask you, like, what's the minimum amount do I put in? I mean, do you automatically say, well, how much can you afford? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's... Um, Look, I've got some clients that will call up and buy a thousand pounds worth. I've got other clients that will call up and buy 20 million. It's there's no fast and hard rule. And then we work with institutions and hedge funds as well. who are looking at doing tens of millions, even a hundred million. So it, it's horses for courses. Everyone's looking for protection. It doesn't matter how much you've got. And the people with less money, of course, are getting hurt disproportionately by inflation. So they have even more of an impetus to put it into gold. And when we have that reevaluation, that, you know, that equilibrium back to gold, and I mean, how do you see that the price is moving then? I mean, you see it because then I know a lot of people are always afraid of that mm. liquidating it on uh, when they sell back. But as we mentioned before, you guys offer, you know, a guaranteed spot price. But like, I mean, I've said it, I, I, I don't buy according to spot price because that's, that's not what's interesting about gold and silver to me. I mean, it's that uh, fundamental value. And when mm -hmm. we reevaluate um, what the price would be then, do you have any predictions or idea or thoughts on 
what we will reevaluate to? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, and there's a lot of different estimates out there for that one. But if you take the global monetary supply and you divide it by the available gold reserves above ground at the moment, um, a bit of fag packet math um, would suggest that it could probably be four times higher if they do a reset and they reevaluate. But the Bundesbank in Germany were talking about doing this, by the way, only about three or four months ago. Um, there were leaked documents all over Zero Hedge talking about it, saying um, that the only way to wipe out our sovereign debt is to reevaluate gold and, and go back to almost to a de facto gold standard. And then they had to come out publicly and say, oh, we're not going to do this. We're certainly not going to do this. But I think it's perfectly plausible, not probable, but plausible that you could go to bed on the Friday, market opens up on a Monday, they've, they've revalued it, and it's maybe three to four times higher. You've got people coming out with silly estimates where it's, oh, it's going to go up 20x, it's going to go up 10, 15x. No, it's not. I can't see that happening, particularly for the, not, not for the next decade anyway. Um, but if they do revalue it in order to wipe out the, this sovereign debt bubble, um, it could be three to four x higher, yeah. Okay, there's a question here about, uh, yeah, the, the resetting their debt with, or the government's resetting um, according to debt. And there's oftentimes you see people using that debt clock. You know, that's where they get the, you know, 6,000 an ounce silver or 50,000 an ounce gold. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're, okay. Yeah, um, exactly. exactly. But, but uh, you'll, you'll get some analysts being quite bombastic about it and saying 50,000 gold. That, that is huge. That's a massive, massive level. Um, I, I, can't I can't see that happening that personally. personally. Okay, but then, but there will be at least if, if the price is allowed to actually uh, reset, there will be, you know, some fluidity there where it will go up. Um, especially against the inflationary prices we're seeing, but it will, um, you know, keep its store of value at the very least, and then we'll go up and, and appreciate in a reset. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a three X minimum, minimum. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise, surprise me if you could see gold sitting at ten thousand dollars an ounce, and that would be that my upper boundary. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, and so then when, uh, do you offer anything for pension funds or a, a service like that to custodial yeah, silver yeah. or gold? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can't put physical gold within, I'm sorry, you can't put physical silver within your pension, within your tip, um, but gold you can. Um, this is something we were helping pioneer, God, seven or eight years ago. Um, so um, a lot so of people, lot of, of course, have just got equities, got bonds, bonds sat in their, uh, their, their SIPs. They're collapsing as we speak. There's a retirement crisis going on whereby you've got, what, 10,000 people a day retiring in the Western world. Now, there aren't enough people coming up through the younger generations um, that are capable of buying those equities and bonds off those people selling them for their retirement in order to keep them accustomed to the life that they're used to living. I mean, most young people in this day and age can't even afford to put a deposit on a house or pay off their student loan. So, again, analysts are saying in the next two to three years, there's going to be a huge retirement crisis. And you're going to see the value of people's pension pots collapse 50, 60, 70 percent. I mean, look what happened two years, uh, sorry, two weeks ago after that mini budget. Um, some hedge fund managers and pension, pension fund managers were saying we were this close to another Lehman style crisis. 
if the currency had collapsed any more and the bond yields would have gone up even further, um, 90% of, of pension funds in the UK would have been wiped out. Now, that's just a tinderbox. I would not want my money anywhere near. So, yeah, clients can set up a SIP um, with, with the pension provider that we use. Um, only costs them about 190, 200 quid to do it. Um, and then they can suck funds across from their existing pensions, um, put it in with them, and then they'll send it to us, whereby we'll, we'll put it into bullion bars in storage in London um, in their own allocated and segregated vault. It's not kind of kept in with our metal or any other clients. So, look, God forbid anything happened to us as a company. It, it wouldn't have any any bearing on the safety of their metal. Um, so, yeah, that, that's something a lot of people are doing. We've got a, a big increase in demand, actually over a 200 percent increase. In, in the amount of people that are doing their pensions at the moment. Yeah, those are smart people. Wow, that's awesome. I'm really pleased to hear it. There's a lot of chatter about that on the uh, on our channel. Um, you know, we've get a lot of those questions about that. So I, I love knowing that you guys offer that now so I can funnel people there uh, when they ask. Now, I, I want to, there's a few more questions in the thread and then we can open it up. But I wanted to ask your thoughts on Basel 3. Because that's one of Vicky's favorite topics. <laughs> yes, <it> Why? Is. <laughs> I know. Remember, I told you what a stalker I became with Bretton Woods last year. Well, that's like Vicky's all over the IMF and Basel Three and watching this play out, and we're we're just really into this hardcore because we know there's something they're not telling us. I'm well, it's just a load of records. The Basel Three. I mean, what excessive measures developed by. Um... Well, the Basel Committee in, in Europe on banking supervision to supposedly strengthen regulation, supervision, the risk management of banks after the 08 crisis and make sure that they're all playing along. But the matter of the fact is they're not. It's, 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 it's all bark and no bite. They can't really do anything. The banks will do what they want. They'll hide their, their desks and all their, their naughty activities in, in black books that they, they can't even see. And this is what's playing out with Deutsche Bank and Credit Suisse. It's, um, I mean, Basel III, it's just a, a nothing. It's just a bunch of bureaucrats pretending they're doing the right thing, but they haven't got a clue. I've never, I love it. I love that perspective. What a refreshing perspective on it. Because <laughs> we're like combing through. I mean, Vicky really likes it just because we are watching the financial collapse kind of shape and, you know, pushing for regulation and, and I love how you're like a bunch of bureaucrats pretending like they're doing something. <laughs> You'll never, You'll never regulate, regulate the bank. The bank. They'll, They'll always find a loophole and a way around getting around, around, around what they want to do. Just There's just no way you'll be able to regulate them the way they think they can. It's just in order to put confidence back in the in the public. Stop everybody revolting because they know they've been screwed over. The bailouts for the bank are paying off all these huge bonuses while they get nothing in return for it. And then pretending they've introduced a regulatory authority in order to stop everybody revolting and throwing their toys out the pram. It's just a farce. The whole thing's a red herring. That's great. Well, I'm glad I asked you because, you know. Um, and then the the tax laws on, uh, like, your numismatics, do you have the same, like, the pre-33 Treasury? You know, you're not as they don't like declare or they don't write it down as the same as they do the regular gold. Do you have that in the UK? Um, no, uh, no that's, that's completely that's different, just purely, just purely for, for the American, American audience. audience. Um, okay. But so it, with us, with it's us, slightly it's different. different. So, so the, the cut-off point for tax-free gold over here 
um, is a victorious sovereign. If you buy anything before that, then it's not considered legal tender and you will be paying tax on it. Oh, interesting. So, so yes, you can yeah, get a Victorian yeah, sovereign, sovereign and they're 200, 200 years, years old. Um, um, what's the date off the top of my head? He started making well, Victoria's reign all the way through to 1901. And are there any coins you recommend over Britannia's? Yeah, I, I, we always say to clients, it's better to go for sovereigns than it is for Britannia's. And you'll notice that a lot of companies are all kind of throwing out Britannia's and, and really promoting them. There's a big PR campaign behind them. However, with Britannia's, they only introduced them in their present form in 2013. Um, in order to satisfy a lot of demand that was coming from the Middle East. Now, with the Britannia, what they cost about £1,600 at the moment. Again, the gold price triples. You're left with a coin that's worth six grand. Your ability to liquidate that at anywhere near the spot price is going to be compromised. So what we always say to clients, go for sovereigns instead, um, or maybe a smaller denomination of a Britannia. Um, sovereigns are the second most popular coin in the world, um, I mean, they're internationally recognized wherever the British Empire had a presence, Middle East, Far East, South Africa, North uh, America, um, they're internationally recognized. So what that means is not only are you not going to have any difficulty liquidating them in the e sorry, the UK at any time, you can go anywhere in the world and you're always going to get a, a good price for them because they're internationally recognized. Whereas Britannia's, they're a little bit more niche in the gold world. They're still relatively new. Um, and because they're so big, I mean, they look great. Don't get me wrong. They're fantastic looking coins. Um, but thinking of that future liquidity, you're left with great big coins that are worth so much money. You're going to have to cash out of the whole thing and be left with that remaining cash that you'd probably rather still have in the investment rather than inflating away. So, again, it's length of time that you're holding it. If, if you, your, your followers are only holding your, your gold for a year or two, absolutely knock yourself out. Go for the full size Britannias. Um, but it's just a matter of getting the best buyback price for them as time goes on and the gold price goes up. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well then, what do you think of Krugerrands and Maple Leafs while we're at it? And American well, Eagles? Well, I mean, Krugerrands are the most popular, the most popular in the world. Um, but again, they're the same size as a Britannia. So when the gold price grows, the, the buyback price you'll get for, for it isn't going to be too good. Whereas I'd certainly suggest maybe go for a half Krugerrand or a quarter Krugerrand. The only thing is that doesn't apply to UK clients because they're not tax free because they're not considered legal tender. The only things you can really buy here uh, are your sovereigns, Britannias, your Queen's Beasts, which is just a form of Britannia, um, like 50p gold coins and 20p's. Um, anything that's legally currency qualifies for the tax exemption. But maple leaves, buffaloes, American eagles, Krugerrands. The same tax principle applies to those as it would to gold bars. So um, you'll get charged 20% on them. All right. Well, speaking of the 20%, let's talk about premiums now. Um, you know, tell us, walk us through how the premiums, at least what you see in the industry and then what, what you guys do at Pure Gold. The pure gold. Company. Look, back when I started, you'd see premiums of four or five percent. Now I'm seeing premiums on some coins go up to 25 percent, depending on what you want, sometimes even 30 percent on some of the old ones. Um, and it's just going up and up and up. I can't see premiums going 
going down anytime soon, um, given what's happening with the economy. So I'll get some clients call me up and they'll get really cute with the price. And they'll say, oh, look, Nick, I'm doing my statistical analysis here. And I think the gold price is going to go down 4%. Like, well, on a balance of probability, we're in an uptrend bull market. We're on the verge of economic collapse. How would you feel if you couldn't get your money out the bank? <laughs> the gold price goes up 10% tomorrow. You're worrying about it coming down an extra 4%. This is a long-term store of wealth. You're not a trader. It doesn't really matter too much where the price is at the moment because it's still massively undervalued if you compare it by every other asset class. The bond market's worth two, 200 trillion, for goodness sake, and it's negative yielding. So people do people will worry about 2 to 3% movements in the very short term. And I'd always say to them, look, maybe this isn't something that's designed for you because this is just about protecting your wealth over the long term. And if the gold price does come down 5% and we see a massive liquidity shock in the market, you won't be able to call me up and buy it at anywhere near a, a fair premium because everybody's doing the same thing. And you'll notice that premiums go up. I mean, back in what March 2020, premiums were going up to 19, 20%. I mean, everybody was just scrambling for the exit doors. So what I say to clients is, Get your insurance in place as long as it's at a reasonable price before the house burns down. Because when it does burn down, you're not going to be able to buy any insurance at all. Um, so it's it's seeing the wood through the trees. I suppose an analogy I've used in the past, it's like picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. Yes, you might manage to dime and, and grime and, and, and save a few quid here and there. But when that steamroller finally hits you, it's going to be no good. You're going to get wiped out. I agree. I love that. And I, I you know, and, and there are other dealers that on this channel people talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, because they're cheaper or they, they're best, whatever. Um, and this is, you know, guys, cheaper usually dries up the fastest. And, and then, you know, when people are sourcing and sending out emails saying we're buying back your gold, that's usually an indication mm. of we're running out of supply. Nick, do you want to speak about that? What you've seen with other people? Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't want to comment on other companies too much, but what you'll notice is with these online shops and, uh, and transactional type websites is it's a false economy. It's clickbait. So what they'll do is advertise a price for a particular coin or bar extremely low. You're looking at 3 to 4% over spot, and everyone will get all excited, and they'll think that they can buy it. And as soon as they get to the checkout, they've only got one in stock. So it's clickbait, and they'll use that to entice you and then flip you into something that's going to be far more profitable for them. So just be really, really wary of that, um, because it happens all the time. And it's moth to a flame. They'll go in thinking great, look how cheap this is, and it's fantastic. I found it cheap, 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 and then they come and exit that position, and they're buying it back at 30 to 40% less than what they paid for it. So it's, it's a tactic that I've seen in with a lot of uh, these kind of, I don't know, these boiler rooms that have popped up over the last couple of years, and it does happen, but just be really, really wary. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. And where is every one of these guys sourcing their metals? Are you guys all sourcing from the same place? Yeah, we've got contacts and mints throughout the world. And that's really why there aren't that many gold dealers around, because it's quite an intrinsic industry. It's, it's very uh, incestuous, I suppose. Everybody knows everybody else. But 
Um, the reason we've been managing to get supplies because we've actually got an exclusive contract with the Raw Mint now. So we have got a guaranteed supply where we can keep getting it out. And I can't guarantee the denominations at any one point, but that's why we've still managed to operate because obviously we're buying on a wholesale basis from them. I suppose the reason we're slightly different from those shops is look, our average client, I don't know, maybe got 10, 10 to 20 grand all the way up to about five or 10 million. Now, if you've got 300 to 350 clients a week, what that enables us to do um, is get volume discounts with the raw mint. So we get economies of scale. It gives us better purchasing power, if you like. Um, and as such, we can obviously buy gold at a slightly lower level than anybody else can because um, we're a bigger player. So that enables us to still make our profit um, and guaranteeing supply because look, the raw, raw mint could sell that gold to thousands of other little investors, but the time and effort it would cost them to do it wouldn't be worth their while. So they're better off just sent, selling hundreds of thousands of millions to us at any one pop, and we can always um, get a better price and, and it's convenient for them. That's interesting. I, one person asked on the thread um, about your your site that you have you have to have a consultation with everyone versus publishing prices and i said that we i yeah, would ask yeah. you about that walk us through how what the thinking there because number one with the online sites you'll they'll do, they'll basically just change the prices of everything in order to attract the buyer in order to go for the cheapest thing that they possibly um, have or that they've bought in order to maximize the profit now that might not be the best thing for a client so I've had clients go to, I don't know, bullion by post, wherever it might be, go and buy bars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of millions of pounds worth. And they come to sell it. They don't realize they've got a tax obligation. They don't realize they're getting 5% below spot for it. And they wonder, where did I go wrong? So the reason we want to have a consultation with people is to find out exactly what they're looking for, what their needs are, whether it's a short-term hold, whether it's a long-term hold, whether it's a pension, whether they're doing it in a business. Um, where we can offset the tax, what's going to be most efficient in terms of costs and do it that way rather than just a, a free for all where every, everybody just buys anything that they fancy because it looks pretty or what have you when it might obviously not be the most appropriate thing for them. And then, of course, what they do, clients who send the funds across, um, I quite happily get up raw mint, bullion by post, and I can show them, look, this is the value that we add on these products. This is a live price. And because we're executing that as a voice brokerage over the phone um, with a direct link to them, we can aggregate all those trades and get a cheaper rate than these online shops. Because obviously there's an arbitrage between the price they're quoting, and the actual spot price of gold. So even if the gold price moves half a percent in their favor, that's just a little bit of extra profit that they can make. So it's just a different way of operating, really. Yeah. Well, thank you for you know sharing. ITM is similar. Uh like you guys you know you you have to talk to the guy and then he sends you a few coins and you know offers a few suggestions and i mean what you were saying about silver with businesses i can see a lot of companies especially small businesses um you know having this be a great option for them and i think they'd be very appreciative hey i see alan has his hand raised so i alan is a financial services he works in financial services um, and has a business. And I guess this is the part where I will open the floor up for people if, if that's okay, Nick. Yeah, uh, please do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But Al Alan is active on our channels and he knows the space. Hi, Alan. How are you? 
I'm great, thanks, uh, Jennifer. It's, uh, I think um, you've uh, caught a blind with Nick, actually. Oh, thanks, oh, Alan. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, Nick. Um, do us a favour afterwards, and Jen will no doubt help you um, and connect with me. Um, as Jen says, I give a lot of advice for clients to buy gold and silver. And um, if I can use uh, somebody trusted um, as well as the, the sources we currently use, then that's great. Um, and at the moment, there's obviously significant interest, let's put it that way. At the moment, I've got um, about two and a half million with a client who wants to invest. Um, and obviously, we're getting to that chatting stage at the moment. Um, but better options is a, is a good thing. Um, and it's something that uh, I tend to push clients towards at the moment. Uh, one thing that would be worth pointing out, um, a lot of people don't realise this, most silver is a byproduct mining of uh, zinc. And um, zinc, the biggest purchases are the Chinese property market. And the Chinese property market is no more. And only 20% of the world's silver is mined out of silver mines. So it should be, uh, I think at the moment it's eight ounces for every ounce of gold they're getting in silver. So the silver is a poor bedfellow to gold at the moment. Uh, I think it, it may be a bit of a shocker. What do you think to that? Uh, what, as into the, the prospect for, for silver actually overtaking gold? I wouldn't say overtaking. Um, I would say, was it about 90 times cheaper at the moment when historically mm -hmm. it's been? 92, actually, yeah. Um, it wow. almost hit 94 a few weeks ago. And we're, <laughs> as of today, given the CPI, we're almost right back down there again. Oh, it's just um, crazy, isn't it? So, it, yeah, should be, it should be 16, but it's, it, they're currently getting eight ounces per, for every ounce of gold at the moment. So they're having problems with it. And, and as you know, most half of all silver's in a skip somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely that. You're, you're right. The historic mean is 16 to 1. So look, at these levels, a lot of analysts are saying, look, it should already be worth five or six times more than it is at the moment. But again, the silver market is the most manipulated, highly concentrated market in the world of any other commodity. That was because of the aftermath of two, the 2008 crisis. Scotiabank, JP Morgan took all those contracts over from Bear Stearns and they just uh, they, they took a monopoly over the markets. And that's why it's so artificially low. But you're right, given uh, obviously this Chinese property crisis that's happening. I mean, there are tower blocks being knocked down, houses not even being built, people refusing to pay their mortgage payments on them. Um, and that is that is actually having a big, big effect on the physical supply of silver as we see it at the moment. So it kind of links into what I was talking about earlier. We, we can actually get more gold than we can silver, even though silver's at such a low price. And, and the Chinese market is having a big, big influence on that. Um, this is why you've got the likes of Apple, Hitachi, um, trying to actively buy silver mines in South America and, and take total control off them because they need to guarantee that supply. And um, I, I think it was the, the CEO of Hitachi, I can't remember, but he was saying, we will buy silver at any price. We don't care what happens to it. Uh, but because it is a byproduct of other metals, there's only a couple of dedicated silver mines in the world. And when you en end up with an economic slowdown and nobody needs that zinc or that copper or that tin, um, Silver production stops as well, but at the same time, you need it for all these gadgets and for this green revolution. So there will be a silver squeeze, an almighty one. 
Um, I just don't know when it's going to happen. But yeah, that's absolutely right. The Chinese property market is going to have a big, big effect on that. I, th- I think that's going to be the next black swan actually in the market. Well, good news. I think that'll take down JP Morgan pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because they're hoarding more silver than we've ever seen. If you actually look at the, the JP Morgan vault, there, there's um, take take a look look behind it. And over the last, well, since 2009, they're the biggest physical silver buyers in the market. It's incredible. They will buy all of it. And when they're finally happy, again, to let the price roar up, they'll, they'll let it go. It, it's so, so corrupt what they're doing. Um, but, yeah, the biggest silver buyer in the world is actually JP Morgan. Well, I think they've got about 60% of all silver, but the problem is that... <laughs> Something crazy. They've sold it 400 times on paper. I think that's the problem they've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've, they've, it, it's criminal. It's a criminal Ponzi, and they've... They've taken out so much leverage in order to smash the price down whilst also hoarding the metal at the same time. So it's a complete conflict of interest. And a lot of people don't know about this. And they, their PR team is so, so sophisticated that they're, they're keeping a lid on this. People have been talking about it for the last five or 10 years, but still nothing's happened. And the price is getting lower and lower and lower. And there's just the level of greed from the bank to do this. It's shocking. Um, but they know the value of it. They know which way the economy is going, whether we like it or not. It is this renewable um, path they're trying to take us down. And um, JP Morgan realised this. Um, well, I'd be surprised if they, they actually survive, considering that they've got more derivatives than all the other banks put together. Um, and if you're right, which I know you are, that seven banks are on the watch list um, and they are struggling with liquidity, then considering that it just takes one major um, credit Swisses in the top 10 um, mm. to create counterparty risk. And then all the derivatives contracts um, are in the bin, aren't they? And then gold really comes quite exactly. exciting, doesn't it? They all unwind and then it, it compounds. So a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world and then it, it has a cascade across the, the, the rest of the world economy. And it just takes one thing. One, one straw, I suppose, to, to break that camel's back. And uh, it's like 2008, just on kryptonite. <laughs> it's funny, Alan, that you, um, you talk about JP Morgan. I literally just read a tweet where the CEO has claimed that they've got $1.2 trillion in cash available at JP Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than some <laughs> countries are worth. I know. I think their assets are only about four or five trillion, and they've got at least at least sixty trillion, probably a lot more than that, in derivatives. And I think, um, as Warren Buffett says, that's that, those are the nuclear weapons. Yeah, absolutely. There needs to be a cap on the amount of leverage that financial institutions are capable of using. So, if you try and open a brokerage account. Now, you can only get kind of 10, 20 to 1. If you're lucky, 50 to 1. I mean, they can use 200 to 1 if they want. There's no cap for them. Uh, well, legally there there is, but, I mean, they, they find a way around it. Well, this is what gold will do to them. Um, and I've been chatting to a lot of clients about it. When, when gold eventually comes back, because it was temporary, remember, um, when gold does come back and there's, there's no option but, I think the BRICS Plus will, will ram it down the throats, um, that stops huge amounts of lending. And we go back to, uh, in Britain, a lot of people don't understand the 1986 Banks and Building Sites Act. 
and that basically uh, allowed banks to offer residential mortgages with short-term money, i.e. printed mm -hmm. money. Before then, it was the lovely people in building societies that kept the price down because you had to save up and it kept prices around two and a half, three times income. And yeah. uh, the last time I looked, although it's obviously gone down, was 7.8 times income for a house. And that's because it was free money and low interest rates and uh, short-term money. Well, in London, it's 14 times, Alan. It's crazy. <laughs> it I, very I live in Yorkshire, Nick. It's, it's far yeah. more than <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, this this, it has to come to an end. It just can't carry on. And there's a cost of living crisis. People can't even afford to, to put food on the table or, or heat their houses, let alone pay off the, these mortgage payments. And if you look at defaults at the moment, they're, they're the highest rate. Well, actually, they've overtaken the rate of defaults that we saw in 2008. So for people to just carry on saying the property market's going to carry on going up and up and up, well, mathematically, is impossible. It can't. I think the problem is people have a vested interest in significant mortgages. Um, I spoke to mm -hmm. quite a few people recently, and uh, they're in. It's fair to say they're in a panic. Um, uh, we, we, as a business, we stopped doing mortgages a very long time ago. As soon as I, as soon as I did the math on affordability, I realised that this is going to be a calamity and not a good business to be in. Um, and we're talking about. Um, 8 million people coming off fixed rates by May next year. Um, and they're paying about 1.5% on the two-year rate, about to go into 6.7%. Mm -hmm. How Some people are being offered 10% now, I, I've saw. I, I was watching Question Time the other night. Oh, Some I heard They're being offered 10%, yeah. Well, yes, there is, there is a, the subprime market, which um, I mean that I have heard um, from other people in the profession saying, that the lenders are squirming and trying to drop every deal they possibly can. Um, and this is the liquidity crisis. One thing you could tell us all, Nick, and uh, we won't hold you to it, which of the seven banks and builders, building societies which are under watch? I've, I've had that question for about over the last week, Alan. You're, well, look, in terms of the building societies, the first two to change their T's and C's were Nationwide and Halifax. I don't know about the others yet. I know those two for sure. Andrew Bailey came out, this was two months ago, and said that, yeah, HSBC, Lloyds and Standard Chartered wouldn't survive a black swan event. And they're no longer too big to fail, basically. So it wouldn't surprise me if those three were on there purely because of that. Now, they, I don't even know which country they're in. He just said seven banks. Now, I think maybe Credit Suisse would be a, a logical conclusion. Deutsche, Deutsche Bank, Bank, of course. I mean, they've been in, in, ter in terrible mess for years. So UBS. Um, I don't know. UPS. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of them. They're all in a hell of a mess. They're all interconnected. So it's like a domino. One falls and they all collapse. So I wouldn't really want to keep it with any of them. And I think you're quite right about the lies about their balance sheets. Um, they keep things off the books. Yeah. And, and I had a conversation with um, a gentleman who run the M&G Discovery Fund. I forgot the guy's name now. He, was a, he, was, he actually had an occupation as a farmer, bizarrely. Um, but... <laughs> But um, he was the head of M&G's um, recovery fund. And he said he went in um, before the 2008 crash to have a meeting with Barclays Bank. And he says he came out and he sold everything out of Barclays. Uh, he said he'd never known such a bunch of crooks in his entire life. And they pretended he, you know, he couldn't read a balance sheet. He says everything is off the books. And he goes, you can't believe what they tell you. No, you can't believe a thing. And that, that's why we were talking about Basel earlier. Um, it doesn't matter how much regulation that they have or how much oversight, the regulators are in cahoots with the bankers anyway. 
Um, they're all doing backhanders with each other. They're they're just trying to get jobs at the banks themselves, the regulators. So they'll just <laughs> turn a blind eye. It's Nelsonian knowledge. They'll just say, oh, look, we know it's going on, but we'll pretend we didn't see it. Um, exactly. It's it's all hidden in, in, in black accounts, offshore, etc. Nobody knows what, what accounts they've got in Cayman or Virgin or anything like that. Marie, did you have a question? What would your advice be if, um, if like, we with HSB or Nationwide or one of these... Um, things obviously hedge it with hedge any savings that we might have with gold um and there are there any other safety measures that we could take well i suppose the only other thing i don't know where else you could possibly put your money when it comes to the equity market the bond market property obviously not but my my suggestion would be maybe spread it out to as many different accounts as you can marie that would be um because people have people with a lot of money are leaving eighty five grand in this bank, eighty five grand in that bank, and, and they're setting up multiple accounts everywhere. But what they don't realise is the likes of what First Direct are connected to HSBC. A lot of them are umbrella companies for others. So if what if one of those um, umbrella companies folds, well, all the smaller um, branches of that underneath it also fold. So it's actually not as safe as they think. So you've got to see which ones are connected. But if you're not going to buy gold, I'd certainly suggest spreading it out amongst different accounts, at least at a bare minimum. Right. Yeah, no, I did know that. I'm with one of those umbrella um, banks. I'm with First Direct. So, um, yeah. When you said HSBC, then I was a bit of a worry. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, you look at First Direct, HSBC, that even if someone's trying to take five grand out or, or or a million they're trying to prevent people left right and center it's like the spanish inquisition now going into the branch a lot of people that i speak to particularly elderly clients they're so worried about going into the branch because they give them such a hard time quizzing them well what are you doing with the money why do you want it no we can't give you this amount and they're so cursed and horrible to them that usually they end up just well quitting the bank keep their money or alternatively they, they close their bank down entirely and they, they put it all into gold it's uh, it usually goes one or two ways do you find any problems with people you know buying gold from their bank accounts so like obviously obviously with yeah. one of those you transfer your money are there any are banks there any that are turning around Saying, um, hsbc are the prime offender they are the very worst so we had to take some legal action against them because um, they just point blank refused to, to, to process any payment to a gold company. Um, Nationwide and Halifax are becoming awful as well. Uh, look, six months ago, they were fine. I mean, look, they still go through the standard procedures. But I was speaking to a retail bank manager, um, actually worked for a different bank, none of the ones we've mentioned. And he was saying that now um, the people behind the till, the cashiers, are actively being incentivized with KPIs um, to prevent, to try and put off people taking significant amounts out the bank. And even if they instill that tiny element of doubt in their mind, um, a lot of, even look, they stop 5% of people trying to take their cash out. You apply that across their entire client base on a daily basis. And that's hundreds of millions of pounds that they're keeping hold of. Um, it's, they're, they're going over and above the, uh, the call of duty, if you like, to, uh, to, to, to stop people taking their money out. I had a lady the other day that the bank called the police into the branch and I had a policeman on the phone to me. This was only Tuesday. Good grief. That, that was a great question. I, I wanted to know that as well about the banks. Brilliant. Thanks, Marie. Sally, did you want to ask a question? Yes. 
Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask if um, you would recommend put, putting money into premium bonds. You might have already covered this, but um, I know you can put up to 50,000 in the premium bonds. No, good question. Um, would, yeah, recommend, yeah. Now, premium bonds are just a cheap way of the government borrowing from their citizens because they can't borrow from the IMF anymore. Right. So the chances of winning premium bonds, I mean, they're tiny. The average rate of return on a premium bond is about 0.8%. So in real terms, even if you believe the official figures of inflation being 10%, well, you're still losing 9% every year. So they don't keep ahead of inflation. So the government kind of convinced people because people love a lottery and they think, oh, maybe this could be the time to win. Maybe I'll get the million. Well, statistically, you'd have to hold the whole 50,000 for 36,000 years in order to stand a chance of winning that million pounds. So it's it, it gives people that hopium, if you like. They think, oh, maybe this month's a winner, this month's a winner, and they get their 50 pounds, 100 pounds. And it's quite exciting for them. Um, but effectively, you're just lending money to the government with a terrible rate of interest and return. I mean, most months I had them years ago and I never won anything. It, it, yeah, it's not really that. that um, it's more about the banks crashing and just, OK, having the money in an account that is more that would be accessible. So if the banks crashed, do you, do you feel that, that those premium bonds would still be safe? Would that money still be safe, do you feel? Because I'm worried, worried about, about the, the, the 85,000 <laughs> limit, but, I'm, but I'm, if they all crash, then, then I, don't, I don't, you know, are we going to get, get anything get back? back? So, but so do you feel that if, the, if you had the money in premium bonds, at least you'd get it back? Yeah, it's certainly a safer alternative. Government bonds oh, right. are certainly a safer alternative to, to the banks, yeah. Um, right. But then again, when we've just seen what's happened to the bond market in the last fortnight, I wouldn't want to keep my money in government, government bonds, bonds either. either. What would you get back? It's worthless. It's valueless. But do you, do you? Yes, I completely understand that. But do you feel that this is the you know the big question is if you did have the money in the accounts and then they they swap over to the digital currency? Are they? Do you, does everybody agree that the the plan is to take the money that was in the account and change it to digital, so you end up with digital instead of actual um, fiat? Oh, most certainly, yeah. There, there will be a complete right. transition where so it will go from plan. fiat to digital. Yeah, right. it, it, it has to. There's not going to be two um, running systems side by side. It will be one or the other. So it will be a digital currency, just like fiat now. It will look exactly the same. You won't notice any difference when you see your, your money in your bank account oh. and your digits, but it will be trackable money, whereby they know what you're doing with it. Yes. So we're not all going to just lose our money in one fail swoop if it's over, if it's not over 85. Well, they'll it's inflate it away. They'll inflate it away. That's what they'll do. Um, you'll, you'll end up, I think, in the next five years, you could end up with hyperinflation. So um, it's a nefarious tax whereby you, you can't see it. But if everyone could see their, their money going down by two, three percent a month in the bank, there would be a mass exodus out of cash. But yeah. what they'll do, they'll inflate it away and then they'll introduce something. Um, entirely different that, that's digital. Yes, okay, I understand. Thank you. Thanks very much. No, Lee, are you there? Uh, all right. Um, yeah, just a question regarding the capital gains tax on silver bullion. Yeah, of course. I've got a number of one kilo silver bullion bars. So what if I melt, what if I was able to melt it down into coin size? Would I still have to pay the capital gains tax then? 
Um, yeah, you couldn't melt them down and change them into coins. Only the raw mints are allowed to do that, um, Lee. So that, that that would be a form of forgery. I mean, you, you couldn't do it. Um, they they'd oh, actually right. they prosecute you if they ever found out. Right. Okay. But uh, I, like, I like your, the way your mind's thinking there. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I had issues with um, Santander on the thirtieth of September. Um, I tried to take money out of the over the counter and um, the entire systems apparently were, were down throughout the UK and the only way I could get my money out was through the cash point but I needed more I wanted to take all my money out and the only way I could do it was by a one-off withdrawal through the cash point as well yeah and they probably restricted yeah. you to 250 quid but no adding no, to that no, list, it wouldn't surprise me Santander's there yeah I took no I took I took it was over. It was over a thousand. Well, it was over a thousand pound. It was, but they still let me take it out. You know, over you know through the cash point. Um, but yeah, they, but they, but over the over the counter, you you couldn't do it over the counter. The entire systems were done, and it was quite strange. Is that the same day that all the assets had to go back to the Vatican Bank as well? Wasn't it? So I found that a bit uh, bit of a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last couple of months, the Vatican have been pulling all their uh, their assets and, and cash from every other financial institution and bringing it back to the Vatican Bank. Everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, that's another canary in the coal mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all. That's all. That's, uh, that's all I wanted to ask. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, I remember that uh, seeing your your was on Twitter with that, Lee. What a nightmare for you that was. Um, water carrier. I saw you flashing up. Are you back at your screen? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yeah, got you. Good okay, it. thank you. Yeah, my, my name's Donna, so uh, thank you very much. I really enjoyed um, tonight. I think it's been really informative and obviously very topical for a lot of people. Um, so, first of all, I wanted to say it's a high street bank, three digits, the middle one's B, without giving it away too much. But um, they literally had... I went to, to uh, do a purchase for some coins and... Um, I got a security guy on the phone to me for almost 15 minutes talking me out of it. Do you know these people? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so what I did was the next day I went into the bank and I actually did a transaction with somebody else, <laughs> a, a more renowned company, two and a half times that much. And I've since cancelled the whole of my account with them um, after 44 years. So, so you know... It basically serves uh, serves them right for that because um, they really are stopping you know stopping people um, getting their money out. So my my other one was it's kind of been answered about um, if you if you've got you know some coins or or whatever bullion in in um, with a company in their vault. So we go say four years down the line or, or six months down the line whenever you need the money. Uh, yeah, you know, if the CBDC is is in operation, then that's what they're going to pay you back with. So you know, can we win? Really, can we win at all? I mean, I always like to think there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's just how many people are going to say no? I don't want your CBDC. I'm not having it. And look, if you look at human history. <laughs> Centralization never wins. Uh, lib liberalism and, uh, and decentralization and capitalism, free market capitalism, it always wins. So, yeah, there's going to be a really, really tough time. They're not going to give it to you easy. But um, people, enough people are waking up, I think, throughout the world now, whether it be in Czechoslovakia, Italy, wherever it is, and, and even in France. And they're saying, no, enough's enough. We're not going along with this. Uh, and when the powers that be can't 
play that game of poker and convince everyone that um, that, that this is the, the way it's going to go, then um, I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening. So it's not all doom and gloom. There's going to be a renaissance on the other side. It's just going to be there's a lot of pain uh, and gain to, to to go in the short term. Yeah, so best to to if you can keep it in the vault for as long as you can, I guess, then till till everything. Exactly. Uh... Can I just ask a surplus question about silver? So doing my homework, like most people, obviously nowhere near an expert like yourself, but um, I've seen lots of things saying, if you can afford it, have a kilo of silver. That's what I've been hearing. Uh, and at the price it is, I could afford it. Is there any, you know, would you buy... Um, I don't know, you know, English, I don't know, foreign. Is, is there any sort of like, you know, level of silver that's better than the other if you were going to do it? Yeah, if you're going to do it for delivery, don't buy a bar because you can't, it's not divisible. And if you are going to have it for that bartering ability, just buy silver Britannias. They'll cost you, with the VAT, around about £30 each at the moment. Um, that That would be my suggestion if you want to take delivery of it. And what if you didn't want to take delivery of it and leave it in the vault then? Um, and that I go for the Britannias again because they're capital gains tax free because they're UK legal tender. I wouldn't look at any of these collectible coins or anything else made in other countries because they don't qualify for the tax status. Sure. So what about a kilo bar, you know, just a block? Is um, that is... Bar, again, yeah. that won't qualify for the tax because it's not legal tender because it's um, well, it's just a, a big block of metal. It's not it's yeah. not got the stamp on it with, with the Queen's head. Yeah. Or the King's right. Head. Okay. All right, you've answered everything for me. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it tonight. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Brilliant. Uh, we've got one more question, uh, Nick, uh, from Nick Work. Did yeah, just know? just be listening to the last 10, 15 minutes, Nick, and it's been incredibly interesting. Uh, it was a recommendation, and at the moment I'm in the process of, uh, I've got quite a lot of excess money in my business, and I'm in the process of following what you're already saying from an advice perspective, which is obviously moving my funds across a number of financial institutions. I've also invested quite a significant amount of money in metals. It's, it's actually because I'm a tight Yorkshire, but it's mostly gold because I don't, like, I don't really like paying the batonic. But I've got some in silver as well. But I'm just wondering about platinum. Would you think platinum's worth investing in as well to diversify within the metals range as well? Or would you mostly stick to gold and silver? <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, well, platinum, you've also got to pay uh, VAT on it you as do, well. Yeah. That's the only issue. And the other thing with platinum is it's not a liquid market like gold and silver are. There are hardly any people buying it, not many institutions buying it either. So if you want to trade platinum, I suggest you look at something like an ETF that's backed against it. There's not going to be any yeah. cost to it. Whereas platinum at the moment, you'd, we'd have to form a market. So we'd have to find another buyer. And then you're exposed to all that market risk because it's quite volatile. You could end up losing 20 or 30 percent on it in terms of spread because it's just not liquid so yeah. i'd um i stay away from it unless you really want to take physical delivery of it do it through the business write the vat off and look if you're going to hold it for five or ten years why not because the growth rate of that I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it it, it co-aligns with silver it usually does they usually mirror each other to a degree no, that's great really good advice thanks Matt. perfect thank you jen are you there i think we're yeah, wow. Time. Time. That was a great question on platinum. I um, thank you for that. And what a fantastic conversation. Nick, thank you so much for your time today. Um, That's right. That's Pleasure, Jennifer. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for inviting me on the show. I, uh, I think uh, I'm just about to go off for a glass of wine. Yeah, well, 
I'm going to, I guess we'll just wrap up. If you wanted to say a few words about the pure gold company, you guys, I don't normally do um, these kind of things, but because I just really got into what Nick was saying, as you can, I mean, hopefully we, you can tell on the, on this call, he's just really refreshing and charismatic and has a lot to say. Um, so I wanted, I got on the phone, picked up a, uh, the phone, uh, we had a quick chat about, you know, all of this. And for those that are interested, I'm going to pop a, a link down. Um, you know, if you want to buy elsewhere, by all means, if you like, you know, what you normally do, fair enough. If you like what you've heard here today, check out the Pure Gold Company. Nick, do you want to add to that? Yeah, please do feel free. Like, uh, just, just click on the link. You can book a, a call with me if you just follow it. Um, and just let me know what you're after and I'll see what we can do for you. That's great. All right, guys. Well, thank you. And if you have more questions, obviously drop them in the link or look, drop them in the thread and we'll keep having a fluid conversation about both gold and silver um, as we kind of move forward in this collapse. But thank you again, Nick. And you guys, please check out the Pure Gold Company.